Okay, I think I'm live. Uh, Facebook changed everything. Everybody's changing stuff. All right, well, good morning, real life class, and anybody else that's watching this. Julie's trying to get a text out uh, with the URL. Hopefully that'll work. Um, if you're following the real live class, you should get notification that that this is live. Uh, Carrie Hall just joined. So she's up, and that's good. So somebody can see something. Anyway, so apparently with everybody in the world trying to do live streaming, especially on a Sunday morning, uh, the... Um, the bottleneck is Facebook, and they made some changes functionally to do this, and it kind of freaked us all out. So, anyway, I think it's working, but Julie's going to get that link out to here in a few minutes. But um, in the meantime, I will uh, try to get as many, I'll try to get some announcements done here. Um, well, I might want to wait a little bit, see who all, I don't know. I don't know what people will do. Okay, so here's the thing. So a couple of announcements. Just want to remind everybody that we need to reach out to our um, to everybody that's in the class. There's people that don't have a good way to connect. Um, you know, thinking about uh, um, like uh, Joyce. I just I talked to her last week and struggling a little bit to get uh, internet connection to watch the class. So if somebody could maybe help her, you know, that would be awesome. And then um, uh, I, I've talked to a few other people, and um, I'm not sure if the Balkans are able to get on. I hope so. Um, anyway, we just need to reach out to our class and make sure that we're all, you know, like-minded and connected together and not forgotten about. So just going to remind you of that. The second thing is just to remind you about is that uh, – um, we are streaming uh, on the church's main, on the homepage of the church at the top of the page. If you wanted to uh, share Brian's messages, you could do it there. Very, It's a whole lot simpler than what we're doing. We just got to get the URL plugged in, and then things will go. What? I want to let you send it. Okay, now the send light is, is highlighted. I don't know what I did to make that work. <laughs> Technology, don't you just love it? Did you send it? Okay, so Julie has sent that. Uh, if you have any prayer requests, you can text Julie like we did last week, 816 808 is her phone number. You can text her if you have prayer requests. I, I did want to, well, let me finish up this social streaming thing. If you want to send out the link to, for Brian's morning or afternoon or Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, uh, lesson or his messages, you can do that. That'll be streamed on the homepage. You can always get it there. Uh, the cleaning teams have been, uh, been um, put on hold. Uh, I know we have a schedule, but according to Jim Boyette, we're not going to be cleaning the for the time being, he's going to take care of that in a separate way. Um, 
And then uh, a couple of things just to mention here. So last week there should have been a next test meeting for anybody that's uh, interested in learning more about HBF. So Brian will have another next steps meeting on May 3rd at 1 o'clock, so right after service. Um, and it's going to be online. Um, so he's going to stream that out. So details will follow how he makes that work. But they could call the office and talk to Kathy or talk to somebody in the office and get the link or get find out exactly how to connect with the next steps meeting. <clears throat> um, I think Brian announced last week as well, or, or, or has been announced, maybe maybe not. We started at what we call a, a comfort care ministry, which is meeting three days a week right now uh, for two hours a day. So yesterday from one to three, today from one to three, and then on Monday, I believe, is the third day. And uh, what this is, is we have just put the word out that if you come to the church, uh, we'll provide you with some uh, biblical comfort, prayer, uh, maybe some food, depending on what we have available, and just pray with people. Yesterday, we had eight people come uh, and receive food. A lady had heard about us through social media, and she came. She was just thrilled to death that there was something in, in Harrisonville. And so this will be going on. Pat Lee is leading this up. There's a team of people. If you want to get involved in that, call Pat. I know he could use some more help. And, you know, we're trying to keep socially distant, or whatever that terminology is, you know, basically staying away from people. But we pray uh, with people. They drive up to the front of the church. We go out to the out and, you know, within six feet or so, or greater than six feet. And we pray with the, the families that are in the cars and it provides for them best we can what comfort that we can provide for them. So uh, it's Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday. Sorry. Wednesday is from 6 to 8, uh, so during Wednesday night service. If you want to be involved in that, you should uh, get a hold of Brian. Uh, tonight, uh, evening service, Brian will be starting the second his study on the, on the book of 2 Corinthians. And, uh, and just as a reminder... If you have led anybody to Christ anytime soon or recently and uh, they may need to be disciples, so let Brian know. They also may need to be baptized. And we're going to have a baptism on May 10th. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to work either. Um, but uh, you can only put two people in the tank, so it shouldn't be a problem. Um, and uh, so we're going to do everything we can to be protected from the, the uh, exposure to the virus as best we can. But we are going to have a baptism on May 10th for anybody that has gotten saved. And uh, and so uh, that's that's that. Uh, so that's pretty much all the announcements. Is anybody that has any prayer requests, we turn it over to the book of Psalms, chapter 20. We're going to read Psalm 20 uh, for prayer. But I wanted to mention that um, <clears throat> I was talking with Bud, uh, Bud Cruss yesterday. I gave him a call. I hadn't, hadn't seen or heard from him in a, in a couple of weeks, and so I just you know, wanted to talk to him. And I found out that Bud has, for most of his life, has had lung problems. He had a lung collapse at one time. Uh, it's actually still collapsed, but it's, uh, he says it gives him fits all the time. And, of course, the coronavirus is a respiratory uh, disease as much as anything else. And, uh, and so he stays home. He doesn't go anywhere. He stays home. His son has been helping him get connected on uh, watching the main service. So hopefully he's there watching today. He did say that I could share his condition with you. So you can be in prayer for Bud, and uh, that would really be good for him. And uh, if, I don't know if, Julie, do you have any other prayer 
Okay, well, it, that is Facebook. I'm sorry that that's happening. Um, with with the whole world using streaming video, there's anyway. <clears throat> that's the best we can do, folks. I really am sorry that the streaming is not working as the, uh, the way we wanted to. We'll do the best we can. Turn over to the book of uh, Psalm chapter 20. We'll read through that. I'll read the passage, and then uh, I'll I will I'll pray, and then I'll I'll uh, I'll just go silent for about three minutes. And so to give you a chance to pray, and then I will close in prayer, and uh, and then we'll start the lesson. So Psalm chapter 20 starts off, it says, The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know that I, the Lord, saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. Let the king hear us when we call. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we are just so thankful for this passage of Scripture as a reminder, Lord, just who you are and what you do, uh, and that we can trust in you knowing that, that you you take care of all needs, you take care of all situations. Even as we read uh, in verse 5, it says, We rejoice in thy salvation. Lord, we want to pray for those that need to be saved today. Uh, we need to uh, re be reminded, Lord, of people who are uh, without hope today because they don't know what's going to happen to them when they perish. And, uh, and Lord, uh, the answer to that is salvation. In the name of, of our God, we will set up the banners. We will tell people. We will fulfill thy petitions to let people know. So, Lord, help us to do that. And, uh, Lord, we know that that some trust in things, some trust in, in animals or people, but we, we trust in you. And I just pray, Father, that as we begin, continue this study, I should say, in the, in the book of Philippians, as we're getting started on the second uh, day of the study, Lord, that you would guide us and direct us, and Lord, that you would use us according to your will, Lord, that we would, uh, that we would do everything that you desire for us to do without hesitation or, or, de or delay. And uh, we just praise you and thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll give you everybody a couple minutes they can share in prayer. And then uh, we'll start the lesson.
And Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much again for prayer, the opportunity to pray, to bring our petitions before your throne. Lord God in heaven, we know that you know everything that we're about to pray for already, but you uh, uh, allowing us to pray, bringing our petitions to you, Lord, is a reminder for us that you you care about us, and we're thankful for that. I'm going to just pray, Lord, for Bud Crust, Lord, that you would uh, take care of him, keep him safe, protect him from the, any of the exposures that may happen. Lord, I know he's being very cautious, but I pray for him. I pray for Joyce Slayhuber and her family and her, her daughter Jill as she's dealing with her cancers. And pray for the Arnie family and uh, just lift them up to you as well, Lord. And, uh, and Lord, I know that there's other needs and prayer requests that I just haven't uh, heard about this morning, but I do pray for all of the needs that, uh, that represent our class and that, uh, Lord, that you would uh, move in the lives of every person. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Philippians, um, the first chapter. So last week we started a, uh, a study. We started to expound and break down one of what I would call one of the greatest relationship letters in the New Testament. And, uh, you know, relationships, you know, we, we like to say that that Christianity is is a relationship, not a religion, and relationships are addressed throughout the the, the New Testament. I mean, there's uh, in all of Paul's writings, in the letters, uh, in the gospel writings, uh, all of it is about relationships. But none of Paul's writings, let me rephrase that. But but of all of Paul's writings, the letter of to to the church at Philippi carries with it what I think is the strongest example of what I would call ministry unity fellowship and service, and intentionality of commitment by the saints. So three things kind of go with that. Uh, that would be the unity of ministry, so partly ministry, you know, mentioning um, the uh, comfort care ministry and, and encouraging people to get involved in that is is an example of ministry unity where we, we work together to accomplish one goal. Uh, then there's fellowship and service, and so we've got to support each other. We've got to help each other as much as we can, and that's why you hear Brian constantly reminding us that we need kingdom kids or kingdom seekers, uh, teachers in there all the time. And then there's this intentionality of commitment, and so we have to be intentional uh, to to be able to relate to, to other people, whether it's the body of Christ or or if it's those that are out in the world that are lost. And so Paul writes this letter to encourage the saints at Philippi to stay the course and to continue to remain focused on the gospel and directed by the gospel. So his intention, and that's why we're titling this study, and I'll get to this a little bit more detail in a moment, furthering the gospel. Uh, what do we got to do to further the gospel? And so we developed a theme last week, um, which captured for us in chapter 1, verses 12 to 14, Really, verse 12, but let's read uh, those three verses. First, the first chapter, starting in verse 12. It says, But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen, un- which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so, um, so Paul Paul had this desire in his heart that whatever happened to him 
would be an encouragement to others to further the gospel. And so most attention uh, is on this letter is typically focused on the idea of this letter being about joy. And I talked about this a little bit last week as well. And while that's a good theme, and we can, we, you know, literally we could make any passage about joy if, that we wanted to. Uh, it doesn't even have to be in the book of Philippians. In Revelation, it could be a book of joy if you're not passing through the tribulation. Uh, and so, uh, but the thing is with this, so, so it is a theme. This letter, I think, is more about the motivation and the encouragement to engage uh, in a more theological theme, which is the, which is the gospel. The gospel should drive everything that we do. Paul's letter is about, and I think this is your first blank, Paul's letter is about encouragement to engage in the actions that further the gospel. So he's encouraging the church, he's encouraging you and me, as we read through this study, to engage in actions that further the gospel. So what are you going to do? What Paul is saying to the church, what are you doing? What have, And he's acknowledging what they're doing. They're doing what he wants, what he's encouraging them to do, they're already doing, and he's encouraging them some more. But this gives us our theme for the study, which is, is which is how I've titled the study, to further, it's your next blank, to further the gospel. He's, and he said that in Philippians chapter 1, verse 14, or verse 12, he said uh, that the things that have happened to him happened to him and fall, had fallen out rather for the furtherance of the gospel. So it was Paul's lifelong desire, and it should be every Christian's lifelong desire and intent to live for the furtherance of the gospel. And, you know, you think about Christians today, a lot of them, a lot of people who are, call themselves Christians, um, I mean, they're, they legitimately are Christians, but their life is not focused on, is not intentional uh, to further the gospel. Uh, and so Paul's lifelong desire, that's what he cared about, was making sure the gospel moved from where he was at to the next place, to the next place, to the next place, to the next person, the next person, the next person, whatever that may be. And so he he was intend, he was intended to encourage this church to continue what he had witnessed them doing already. So the letter... This letter, the book, the letter uh, the, to the Philippians, is an encouragement to the saints. And it ought to be an encouragement to you and to me as well. This is why I wanted to study this, letter, this book out. Through his words, this letter should be an encouragement to us as well. Because we, you and I, ought to be a mirror of the believers found in this church. Uh, the church of Philippi, uh, uh, we, should, we should try to emulate this church. So let me give you a little bit of background. Um, not quite as much detailed background as I gave last week, but in Acts chapter 16, we're not going to turn there and read all of that, but in Acts chapter 16, we we can we see uh, the planting of this first church in Europe. This was the first church in European soil. Uh, Paul was on his second missionary journey, and he was actively planting churches wherever he traveled. That's what Paul was doing, and that was that is how we further the gospel. We as a matter of fact, you, know, you HBF has planted uh, a church in Kansas City, Kansas, uh, Shiloh. We planted uh, uh, New Life in, in Clinton. And we have a desire. The pastoral team is praying now about how can we get a church started down in Butler or in 
uh, Nixa or someplace like that, or Nixa or Nevada. I think it's Nevada. Uh, someplace south of us where we can plant another church and further the gospel to another location. That's what we should be doing. And that's what Paul's desire was, was to plant churches as much as possible. Um, he wanted to travel to Bithynia, uh, which is which is part of Asia. He wanted to go to Troas. He wanted to go any place that he could to, to another town. And I, I think that's amazing when you think about it. He just went. He met with who he could meet with. Sometimes people refer to those as a, a person of peace uh, or just go find uh, a Bible study someplace or you know, find somebody that's a believer and say, hey, let's start a church. And that's what Paul did. And that's what we ought to be able to do. You don't have to be a pastor to plant a church. You just need to be somebody who's willing to plant a Bible study that could turn into a church. That's what happened in Clinton. When we were planting the church in Clinton, we were just doing a Bible study. And so um, so Paul was on his second missionary journey. He was actively planting churches. Uh, but then places that he wanted to go, he was he was withstood, it says, by the Holy Spirit. He was, And then but through a vision, a dream, he was directed to go to Macedonia and go to the city of Philippi. Uh, and there he met some key people. And this is how it works. He met three key people. He met Lydia, the seller of purples, a businesswoman. And there was at a Bible study uh, along, along the side of the river. And um, uh, so so he met her. And uh, it doesn't mention any other ladies, but I'm assuming that there were other people connected to Lydia. Uh, then he met, uh, then Paul met a, uh, a woman who was possessed of a demon and used to uh, to trick people. Uh, and uh, and so there was her, and then of course Philippi, the Philippians is where you had the Philippian jailer, where Paul and Peter uh, were in jail, and um, uh, then the earthquake, the gates opened, the Philippian jailer uh, wanted to kill himself. Paul said, "Don't don't harm yourself. We're still here. We haven't left." And then he shared the gospel with him. Then that church got started out of those three three groups of people here. Uh, we, we think the letter was written uh, alongside uh, the letters to Colossia and Ephesians, and they're called the the, the uh, prison epistles, uh, written in in Rome in about 60 62 A.D. Uh, so this was been his first imprisonment after spending two years uh, with Festus in uh, in Acts chapter 24. And so the church was continually mindful of Paul's needs. The one thing that's really interesting about this church was they loved Paul enough that they would take care of him no matter where he was at. And even in this situation, they sent Epaphrodites to, to, to see what Paul's dealing with in prison in Rome. And, uh, and so they sent Epaphrodites to take care of him, but Paul had to send him back because he was sick. So he had some, he had some purposes for writing this letter, and, um, and he had several reasons for communicating to the church through this letter. First, and there's a blank here, uh, first, to express his gratefulness for their gift, which um, which came with much love. This church cared about uh, missionaries. Uh, no, we we should care about missionaries, and I think we do have a have a passion for missionaries and supporting of missionaries as best we can. Um, but uh, in Philippians chapter four, verse ten, he Paul writes. Uh, he says, "I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now." At the last, your care of me hath flourished again, and so Paul Paul really appreciated the love of the church for him, 
And the second thing that he that he wanted them to know was why this is another blank. He was sending Epaphrodites back. Um, he he didn't want them to misinterpret. You know, they sent him. In fact, some people think that Epaphrodites was one of the pastoral team. Uh, might have actually been a past the pastor, but I don't know if that's the case or not. But Epaphrodites was a leader in the church. They and they sent him to Paul to help him to bring him some finances to bring him some things that he needed. But Epaphrodites got sick, and so he was going to send Paul was going to send him back to Philippi. But he didn't want Philip the Philippians to think that that he disrespected them, and so he wanted them to know why he was returning him. Uh, it says uh, in Philippians 2.25, I suppose it's necessary to send you Epaphrodites, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. And so he he's returning him. Uh, and then number four, he wrote to exhort them to unity in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. It says, if therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill you my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. So this church, this church was a model church. Um, it was uh, it had little error. There was, you know, almost every letter that Paul wrote to a church, the church had a problem. Corinth had sin problems. Galatians had um, uh, legality or uh, um, not legality, but. Um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. It's similar to legality, but it's not legality. It's uh, legalism. I'm sorry. Uh, they had a problem with legalism. Uh, and uh, and so, but Philippi had nothing going on like these churches other than a little bit of uh, unity struggles and strife, just a little bit, but not much. Philippi uh, was a good church. Um, and uh, he described their conversation the word conversation means behavior. At the end of chapter uh, 1, verse 27, in fact, it says, chapter 1, verse 27, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Powerful verse when you read that. And it's all centered around uh, the gospel. And so, <clears throat> so, uh, so he had some reasons that he wrote the letter, but he also, as we're studying it out and trying to figure out how we're going to understand this letter for our life, um, we have an outline that we talked about last week. But I was actually praying over this this past week and you know, looking at, well, okay, what, where, do we, where are we going, Lord? What are you showing me here with these themes? Each chapter has a theme um, that communicates a, an intentional message, and. And I just wanted to um, kind of make make a little bit of a change here, and and really, uh, I referred to the verses as as um, <clears throat> excuse me as a theme. But the more I look at this, each of these verses represent a tool. They represent a tool that you and I need to have in our life. Um, uh, I see these themes as tools that, when used correctly, strengthen our labor in the gospel. We need tools. We've got to have tools. You, you can't do a job without without the right kind of tools. So we need tools. We need the tools that, that these chapters provide for us to minister 
which gives us a guide as to what we need for our preparation to further the gospel. So chapter 1 says uh, is about us having the confidence, which is the blank, a confidence in Christ that we can further the gospel. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing that we that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So there's this, there's this kind, if we're not confident about the gospel, we're not going to share the gospel. We may know the gospel. We may understand what the gospel is and the points of the gospel. First Corinthians 15, Paul writes, you know, that um, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. According to scriptures, he was buried and he rose on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. We understand that death, burial, and resurrection uh, brings a person to salvation. But if we don't have confidence about the gospel, we're not going to be able to further the gospel the way we need to. So what will it take in your life to have confidence in Christ to be able to further his message? That's really what Jesus Christ is asking us to do. For you and for me is to further his message, to further his gospel, to further his truth to further his name. And so are we confident? What's it going to take? What kind of, what will it take in our life to have the confidence in Christ to be able to further his message? What prevents us from having a strong confidence in the work of Christ in our life? What did Jesus Christ do in your life? Did he save you? Are you saved? Are you confident of that? You know, sometimes people have doubts. Well, maybe I didn't pray right. And that's understandable maybe when you, you know, in the first couple of weeks after you get saved, you you're challenging yourself and you're, you're questioning yourself. But the Word of God gives us confidence if we're just trusted. And so uh, having confidence in the work that Christ began in you will perform until his return is a, should be a big motivation. And number two, in chapter number two, is Philippians chapter two, verse five, it says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So, so cr- chapter two then, the tool that we need in chapter two is about living, serving, operating under the mind of Christ. Our What drives us, what moves us, what motivates us ought to be the mind of Christ. It's easy for most of us uh, to serve it in our mind, right? We, we get the idea, okay, I'm going to do this. this is, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to say it's God. Um, and so um, it's easy to serve in our mind instead of the mind of Christ. But when we start to serve in our mind... You know what happens? Um, we we sometimes fall away. Uh, we don't when we think about what we're doing. We feed our mind influences and actions uh, so that we feed our mind our thoughts instead of Christ's thoughts. We sometimes walk away, uh, and it affects how we think. And so we need to be under the mind of Christ in the things that we're doing. In chapter three. Chapter 3 points out that we should emulate the ensample of Christ. He says in Philippians 3.17, Be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. Now, every time I come across this word ensample, I, I want to make sure that I take time to explain the difference between the word example and the word ensample uh, because most, most uh, commentary will say, Ensample is an old-fashioned way of saying example, and they both mean the same thing. Unfortunately, that's not the case. So while it sounds like, um, you know, that we're saying that we, that we need to follow the ensample of Christ, 
that that may be similar to the second uh, tool. It's it's a, it's different. And so so what is what does it mean? Um, what what is the word in sample? Is this just a misspelling? Is it an old fashioned way of saying example? Uh, well, no. Okay, so the word in sample it actually means precedent. The word means precedent, and the word comes from the same word as the word type. And we've talked about uh, types before, about the way that that uh, like the lamb uh, that was sacrificed in Exodus chapter 12, the Passover lamb is a type of sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so the word comes from the same word as type, as in typeset, and it means to strike or to blow or, um, or to print. But the word example means a sample of a set. So the word in sample means it looks like this, but the word example is just a sample from a set. And I try to use it like, okay, if you have a dozen eggs, you take an egg out, you look at the egg, it looks like all the rest of the eggs. This is an example of the eggs. But the eggs themselves are a type of uh, themselves, and so they are they're an ensample. Um, so let me see if I can explain this a little bit differently. The word example um, comes from the they come from the same word as type, but it's a different meaning in the context. First Timothy four twelve. If you look at First Timothy four twelve, it says, "Let no man despise thy youth, but be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity." So examples are a sample of a whole, but ensamples are the mold from which the others came from. So the an ensample is the mold. So Jesus Christ is the ensample. If we go back to Philippians 3.17, that he is an ensample. He is the mold. We should shape our life to be like his life. Though you know what Paul said, be followers of me as I follow Christ. What Paul is talking about is he is emulating Christ, he is, uh, Christ is his template, Christ is his mold, and he wants to be like Christ, and he wants us to be like him, being like Christ. And so that's the word example and the word ensample and how they mean. And then the last chapter, chapter 4, Paul wants to, brings us the assurance that through everything we are kept by Christ, and that's the, the I think it might be the last, the last blank, we are kept by Christ. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts. And so these, these four necessary tools, the confidence in Christ, the mind of Christ, the example, the ensample of Christ, and the being kept by Christ, all work in unison, that helps us to fulfill the theme of our study, which we already have, we looked up in chapter 1, verse 12 already, we've talked about that many times already, the furtherance of the gospel. I just realized something here. I might want to back up. Let me, let me just check something real quick. I might have skipped something. Nope, I didn't yet. It's coming up. Okay. Trying to keep my notes straight in my head. Okay, so anyway, um, and so these four necessary tools, we have to use these tools. That's it's almost better to think about, instead of calling them a theme in the chapter, they're a tool in the chapter that gives us the, 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 the necessary equipment to be everything that God wants us to be, to be able to further the gospel 
using these tools, the confidence that we need, we need to be confident in Christ. We need to focus on his mind, uh, let his mind drive us instead of our minds deciding what we want it to be. We should use his mind. Um, we should um, be kept by Christ, and then we should use him as the mold to, to shape our life. And so think about this. Everything our church does should be about the furtherance of the gospel. Uh, and for many of us, that's the, that is our life. Uh, we live that life today, which is good. But, and we can think of many of our small um, brothers and sisters who desire nothing more than to get the gospel out the door and in the hearts of as many people as possible. I think about uh, Lee Carter. Uh, that guy, uh, he, he can witness to, to, somehow or another, he's just able to just start a conversation, lead people to Christ all over the place. It doesn't matter where they're at, where he's at. Uh, he can do it. He has that ability because he's taken this and he said, I'm going to be like Christ. I'm, my mind is going to be Christ's mind. My task is going to be Christ's task. And that's what he does. And so our church, uh, one of the blessings of our church, HBF, is that we support as many methods of sharing the gospel as we possibly can. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we have a lot of different ministries going on uh, all the time. Some are kind of shut down right now. Some aren't. But, you know, um, we want to get the gospel out. And so I want to go back now um, and go back to chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I just want to point out a couple of things. There's so many things in, in Paul's writings that you can't, you can't get everything out of a verse all at one time. Sometimes you've got to go back two or three times. Uh, that's why sometimes I, I kind of sounds like I'm repeating last week's message uh, because that's, you have to sometimes. But anyway, in chapter, chapter 1, Paul writes in the first couple of verses, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And then we'll, we'll jump into the rest of that here in a minute. But what I... I want to go back and look at a couple of things that Paul said in the first few verses as a reminder because it gives us a sense of where Paul's mind is and his heart is with his church. Verse 1, he identifies himself as a servant. He, just as the saints are at Philippi, he is a servant. And I mentioned last week that he didn't refer to himself in this letter anyway as an apostle because he wasn't dealing with an authority issue. Uh, so to be a servant means that they serve the Most High God, they attend on God, they are employed by God, and they're devoted to God's honor. And so as servants, they come on his errand. Uh, the message that they bring is from him, and they serve the purpose and the interest of the kingdom. They're kingdom representatives. And so the word servant simply means to be a slave. So that's a simple definition. Uh, but someone who is subject to either involuntary or voluntary devotion to serve another person, that's, their, that's Paul saying, I am a servant of the Most High God. And then in verse 2, Paul's letters always started with a prayer that grace and peace would be available to the saints. But I wanted you to point out a couple of things here. Notice in verse 2 that it says that grace comes from God while peace comes from Jesus Christ. And I thought that, well, that's pretty cool. I never actually noticed that before until I was studying this week. 
God's greatest gift to us is salvation. But how do we get salvation? Salvation only comes through grace. Uh, grace alone, Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So what Paul is reminding them of is that it's grace that is important to the furtherance of the gospel because grace comes from God. And then he says that peace, uh, in verse 2, he says, um, grace and grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And because there's, um, uh, it's almost like a, I don't know what the proper term is, but you got the phrasing, so that's how I'm connecting grace with God, peace with Jesus Christ. Peace, of course, is the reference that the wrath of God no longer abides on the believer. First um, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, and the, uh, they wait for his son, from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. We have peace with God because we're no longer subject to the wrath of God. Uh, so we have peace because of Jesus Christ. We don't have peace just because I'm in my own mind. I think, well, yeah, God is real, so I, I'm safe. That that doesn't get me peace. What gets me peace is is receiving Christ as Savior because the gospel was furthered into my life, and I believe that. And so... Um, Romans 5 1 says therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and so Paul's greeting was his hope that the saints uh, would be fully connected to the Godhead so when I talked about earlier that this book is about relationships that's one of them we related to the um, uh, the, the Godhead And then in verses 3 to 5, which we read, Paul now has a prescription for fellowship in the gospel. That's what I would title this. So fellowship is a key trait when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to the ministry of of the gospel. Uh, Fellowship is a key trait of any Bible-believing church. Uh, Every saint and every church that seeks to further the gospel, they got to be in fellowship with each other. If we're not in fellowship with each other, we're not going to get things done. Uh, one of the you know things that, as an example, uh, would be Vacation Bible School. I don't know what's going to happen with VBS this year, but I do know the last two years we have had a blessing because people uh, came together in fellowship to accomplish a goal, and that was just awesome to see that happen. Same thing is in the Bible co- the Bible Conference, Vision Conference, uh, Church in the Park, all of those kind of things that we do are thrilling to me because we are we are in fellowship together. So furthering the gospel is the centerpiece of his of this letter, and Paul wanted a strong fellowship between him and the saints and literally all the other churches. You know, we should be in fellowship with other churches. That's why we have a, a partnership with churches called Living Faith Fellowship because we're all like-minded uh, on the Word of God, on the teaching and the training of the Word of God, and the mission of, of God. All of those three things, they're key uh components of Living Faith Fellowship, and we we partner with churches all around the United States, uh, and that's part of fellowship. Um, But the bond of fellowship has a significant role in Paul's heart for this church. The word fellowship is best described as a participation, a pledge of communion or compassion for each other. We desire to be with each other. Uh, We should want the best for all the saints. We should want, you know, sometimes we get a little irritated with people and, and we almost wish a negative thing on somebody. 
but that's that's the opposite of what Paul is talking about here. Paul was encouraged by and desired to encourage all the saints to contribute to the support of the gospel going out to others by the bond of fellowship. So knowing that this church, the church at Philippi, was a partner with Paul of the gospel, meant everything to him, and he had the confidence needed to see the saints serving. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it goes on and it says, But being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So their fellowship was not just in the transmitting of the gospel, but also their fellowship was in his support financially, in the care of his needs, and the things that they did to take care of him so that the gospel would be furthered everywhere. So fellowship, think about fellowship for just a minute. Fellowship is a partnership of like minds and like goals. So fellowship is described as a partnership, but what should our partnership look like? What what is our fellowship? What should it actually look like when we, if you were to step back, and look at look at HBF, are we in fellowship with each other? Do we have fellowship in our church? So here's a couple of things that fellowship is not. First off, it is not a natural partnership. It's not a platonic relationship. Uh, it's not a club. It's not a society. It's not a man-made organization. Uh, what it is, is fellowship, it's fellowship is of grace extended between each other. So grace comes from God. We've talked about that already. But, you know, grace comes from you as well. You, you need to be able to extend grace to other people in the bond of fellowship. So there's grace extended between each other. Their true fellowship is affected or given life by God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so fellowship of life as we share eternal life with, through Christ, as we are one with the Trinity, and I've talked about that with the Godhead already, fellowship, it, it's a fellowship of faith in which our beliefs are common among each other. You can't really have fellowship if we are not like-minded in, in our beliefs of the Word of God and the doctrines that we, that we stand firm on. Um, you know, if, if we don't agree, then we certainly can't be in fellowship. So um, it's it's a fellowship of separation from the world and an attachment to Christ, and it's a fellowship of spiritual warfare as we wrestle against flesh and not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places, according to Ephesians chapter six. So, so Paul had a, had a uh, uh, a desire in in these verses here um, 